Well, hello there. It is great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Lessons by the Lake, the Oswego Private Wealth Show. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, we have Bob Bedritus, the Managing Director of Oswego Private Wealth, joining us in just a moment for another wealth management-related discussion. That's what we tackle here on this show. Uh, you know, we're taking the same strategies and solutions and ultimately the same conversations that Bob is having with his clients on a regular basis at Oswego Private Wealth, and we're bringing them right here to you on this show. Today, we've got a really unique conversation dialed up for you. It really, it stems from the idea of personality traits. Think about it. Some of us are introverted and others can be extroverted, but did you also know that you have a wealth personality? In fact, this wealth personality can leave a big impact on how you identify your financial goals and of course, how you pursue them. So today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna dive into this idea of do you know your own high net worth personality type? Bob's going to be sharing a handful of what these look like and maybe which one you might fall into and identify just why it makes so much sense to really hone in on identifying what your unique personality type looks like. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Bob aboard and get today's conversation rocking and rolling. Bob, good to see you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Brian. I'm good to be with you. So yeah, Bob, I mean, great to be with you. Great to have you back here on the show. So let's let's get right into it, shall we? You know, the idea that each of us has our own wealth personality is probably a newer concept to many of us that are joining us on the show, but uh, let's so let's define it for them. Tell us what you mean by a high net worth personality type. Yeah, well, back in the late 1990s, some academic research was done to identify not just the person, the personality traits, not just the demographics, but the psychographics of high net worth affluent investors. And it was really interesting, interesting study back 20 some years ago. And it's continued to be updated and corroborated with thousands of high net worth investors. And it's a really critical thing in my judgment for an investor to have a sense of their own high net worth personality for a myriad of reasons. Sure. And so, Bob, in your eyes, how important uh, is it that an investor's attitudes and personality traits are similar then to maybe the professionals that they choose to work with? Well, we've talked about in the past the uh, human element of investing. And so many investors begin by just looking at the how of investing. And it's the why of investing is also a part of it. In order to achieve your goals, your aspirations, your dreams, there's a why behind it. And an investor is well served to understand the why of their investing. And it's also important in my judgment for them to match with an advisor who can relate to them, can understand with them to get it, who they are, what they're trying to accomplish. And the conversations and the relationship runs so much more smoothly if they're aligned on some level and if the in, if the advisor understands the high net worth personality of the investor, makes sense to me. So Bob, let's let's unpack some of these these personality types. What's our menu of options look like here? Walk us through them. Well, we've we uh, the the research has identified nine. So let me talk about the first one. The first one is, and they have names, uh, of course. And the first one is just called a family steward, uh, and that's the most dominant of all of the. Um, of all of the nine high net worth personalities. So it's, all, it's, all, it's roughly 34% of all high net worth investors are family stewards. And a family steward wants to see that their family's taken care of first and foremost. They want to 
understand and and uh, relieve the financial worries of the family, and they're uh, typically not super knowledgeable about investments, uh, although they could be. Uh, but their primary motivator is their family, the kids, the grandkids, and everything around their financial decision making revolves around those issues. And uh, so moving on, uh, you know, what's, what does the flip side of that then look like? I hear you. Sure. There's probably so many family stewards that we might all know in our lives in a close personal manner, but what's the flip side of the family steward then? Well, it's, um, I, I'm not sure it's the flip side necessarily, but it's uh, the second category, which is the second largest is uh, what, what's term what the researchers uh, term an independent and independence uh, seek f- freedom. Freedom seems to be the number one word that comes up for independence. They want to know that they have enough money, uh, that they don't have to worry about money. And often I hear uh, independence use terms when I'm, when I'm counseling with them of things like, I want to have enough money to do what I want to do, when I want to do, do it, and not to have any financial worries in my life. Sure. So, so we've got our family stewards then, Bob, as well as the independents, both pretty straightforward. And what you had mentioned that research shows is the most common of these high net worth personality types. Could you take us through maybe some of the additional ones, maybe the more nuanced personality types that you're seeing when it comes to, you know, being a high net worth individual? Yeah, there's the, the, the third, the third most prevalent one. And, um, I think it's an unfortunate name they gave it because it's really not a, a negative at all, uh, but they call it the financial phobic, <laughs> so a, a phobic. I often see this with inherited wealth um, and you know, a second or third generation that has a great deal of wealth, but they, a uh, phobic um, hates being involved in complex financial decisions. They're really looking for an advisor who they can trust, who can take care of things. And, and by the way, I'm, um, I'm primarily a family steward and uh, with a little independent thrown in is my high net worth personality. Uh, but uh, as far as being a phobic, I am definitely not a phobic when it comes to finance, finances. I love this stuff, uh, but I'm a phobic in other areas of my life. I'm a phobic with, um, as Michelle can attest to, uh, when it comes to taking care of anything for the home, uh, when it comes to something breaks down, I am immediately saying, who can I trust? What electrician, what plumber, what landscaper, what roofer, who can I, who can I interview, who can I trust to take care of these things for me? And so that that financial phobic would be the person who said, you know, I'm, I made, the, I made the money, I have a life that I want to live, and I would enjoy, enjoy living you know, doing the things I want to do, which sounds a little independent as well, right? Taking care of my family, sounds a little bit of family steward as well. And said, but I want to turn this over to somebody and have uh, not necessarily super involvement. I certainly want to be informed. And by the way, which leads me to the idea that nobody is just one category. Almost everybody has a dominant category, uh, but you can be a little bit or smattering of a number of these different high net worth personalities, but you will have a dominant yeah, that's good to know. Thanks for clarifying that because I'm sure there are probably some people out there scratching their heads already, even though we haven't gone through the full nine as to which they might fall into and whether or not they can bleed over into other ones. So, uh, Bob, let's maybe move to the next one. I know we've talked about this in past episodes of just those that, uh, you know, they want to keep their wealth private and they want to, you know, stay maybe to themselves. Is there a personality type that aligns with this? Well, the, the term that the researchers used is anonymous. 
um, mm -hmm. uh, pretty descriptive. And anonymous confidential confidentiality is is job number one. They don't want anybody to know uh, what they have or where they have it. Uh, they're not particularly showy, and uh, they want that privacy, uh, even to the point that this client will um, will make sure that they don't have, uh, you know, so I, ha I have a client who just doesn't trust DocuSign, doesn't even like emails going back and forth because they're very concerned about their privacy, um, even to the level that we needed to use a courier um, and uh, happily so, and use a courier to deliver documents because they don't want it going through the delay of the mail and they don't want to use technology to do it. And they're, and they're, very, and they're very anonymous in what they do. And um, as we've talked about a little bit of, and, you know, those who know me know that I play quite a bit of tennis and, um, and I do not prospect my friends at the tennis club, but invariably over the years, some of my tennis friends have become clients of mine. And uh, not too recently, I was on the double score with two clients who are both anonymous and neither of them know that the other one is my client and nor will they ever know from me. I don't, I wouldn't do that even if they're a family steward. Nobody needs to know uh, unless they choose to tell somebody that we're working together. Uh, but nonetheless, the anonymous would be extraordinarily, extraordinarily focused on the anonymity of their, of their wealth and of their affairs and what they do. So. I, I love that example of the of the two doubles on the tennis court, both just not even knowing that that they're both clients <laughs> here. That's a great example that speaks to to somebody being an, an anonymous uh, high net worth personality. Let's let's jump to maybe the other side of the coin now. I mean, obviously you've got your anonymous individuals, but what about those that like to be in the limelight? Well, we've got two two that fall in that category a little bit. One is is called a mogul. Uh, the second is a VIP. And a mogul, worldly success is just a way of keeping score. It's, and it's winning. It's about winning. And they, they, uh, investing is an, an extension of their general personality, which is generally about uh, control over their affairs. And they seek personal influence. And a VIP, uh, success is about achieving high status. Uh, they seek prestige. They want to be known and respected. And oftentimes, they, uh, with great affluence, uh, they buy the um, accoutre accoutrements of that wealth uh, and uh, to let it be known. And so that would be a, a VIP or a mogul uh, in those two categories. Gotcha. So, Bob, you've got, you know, you've got your anonymous, you've got your moguls and VIPs, but then, and I'm sure we both know a few examples of these, these next, this next personality type, and that's uh, individuals that really just kind of like to to keep uh, growing that wealth and maybe not necessarily spending it in different ways, shapes, or forms. What's this look like in terms of the definition of their high net worth personality type? Uh, category is called accumulator, and accumulator is all about uh, that that money just that money's growing, mm -hmm. and well beyond their need for that money. And the money, uh, uh, the accumulator is interested in in more zeros behind that that figure, and the money continuing to grow. Uh, accu accumulators, ironically, live very frugally. Um, they're very frugal in their lifestyles. They are not big spenders, uh, but they uh, security might be the key word uh, around an accumulator. They want the security of knowing that their net worth continues to, to grow and expand, although they spend a small fraction of their net worth in order to maintain their lifestyle. 
Yeah, it sounds to me security kind of being the optimal word there with within mm -hmm. the accumulator. Uh, we've got two more to go through, Bob, in terms of these high net worth personality types. And I feel like the, these last two kind of seem to be struck a little bit from the same vein. Talk to us about these last two. Well, the last two are uh, gamblers uh, in, and innovators. So a gambler is exactly what the word would suggest. A gambler is somebody who want, who is uh, comfortable with very high risk, um, and they really they really treat financial and legal matters as a hobby. And the hobby is they derive pleasure from complexity and problem solving. They exhibit a very high risk tolerance. Uh, a gambler would be somebody who I would um, I'll go back to the tennis club. I'd run into the club and. Uh, meet them for the first time they say what do i what do you do bob and i tell them the work the kind of work that i do and their very first thing would be hey do you have a hot stock tip for me <laughs> for me you know so um so the, uh, the that would be the gambler uh the innovator views the innovators the view of financial and legal matters as a as a as a intellectual endeavor an intellectual challenge and they want to be on the cutting edge of anything that goes on in there um, the word derivative is a is a sacred word. <laughs> it's a sacred word for a for an innovator. They want to know what's the latest, what's the greatest, what's the most interesting thing that's going out there. They would have probably have been very early adapters into uh, adopters rather into uh, Bitcoin uh, as an example. And an innovator just wants to say what's on the cutting edge. I want to be there. I want to be on the forefront of of that issue of uh, of that innovation. Roger that. So there you have it. I mean, they're the nine high net worth personality types. And Bob, now that we've kind of gone through each one of these, could you maybe better help us understand then of just, you know, and illustrate how somebody with a given personality type would be well served now with working with somebody that, uh, you know, a wealth manager that that suits them and understands their own personality type. So that way they can cater solutions and whatnot towards them. Yeah, fantastic. By the way, let me let me throw up there a uh... Uh, the distribution of the high net worth personalities. You can see that, and I had said that uh, family stewards, uh, first and foremost, they're 34 percent of all high net worth personalities, and then the independents kind of round out round out the rest of half of all high net worth personalities. Uh, there you run into the phob, then we go to the phobics. Uh, you know those who really just want to find someone to trust, uh, the anonymous, so on and so forth. And you can see those last three. Those innovators, those gamblers, those accumulators are really the smallest uh, subsection of high net worth personalities, although they could be very, um, I think they're much more prevalent outside of the, the affluent um, uh, uh, definition of uh, high net worth. Uh, but th those are the categories. So back to your question, which was... Um, uh, which was really how to, um, if I can rephrase it, uh, as I recall it, is really how do you understand your high net personality and why should it matter? And again, I think that um, the relationship that I have with my clients and, and, and any good wealth manager would have with their clients really turns into one of reasonable intimacy because you're really, you know an awful lot about a person when you're seeing um, how they react to investing how the the goals the aspirations the dreams that they have and what they're trying to accumulate and the relationships run so much more smoothly when when you mat when you match up with your advisor in that area that you're um, um that you see eye to eye on 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 all of those topics um i mean as an as an example 
Um, I am the furthest thing from a gambler um, that uh, anybody could possibly be. Uh, I'm a family steward, independent is, is my, are my family steward dominant, independent, secondary for me. So for, for me, uh, if somebody was a gambler, they probably would be very dissatisfied with the work that we do because a family steward is more conservative. As Mark Twain once said, they're more concerned with the return of their money than the return on their money. Um, although we're trying to achieve both, <laughs> we want to achieve both. And a gambler would, uh, or an innovator probably would be very bored with me and uh, say, you know, I don't even know, you know, you're, you're not a good choice for me. And then, and one of the things we do is we, in, in our initial discovery meeting, we, we don't ask you what category you fall into, but when I do my intake discovery meeting and ask a lot of questions, there are ways that we can identify that. For example, one of the first questions we ask is what do you want your investments to achieve? And the family steward would answer those questions around, well, I want to take care of my family. I want to make sure that Michelle is taken care of. Uh, it's very important to me that Eric and David and Hope and Kim and the grandchildren are, are well provided for and that I can use this blessing of this wealth that I have in, as a means to an end to help them. And the independent would very much say, I want money is just... Uh, it means nothing. It means nothing to me. Other, you know, it's not all about pictures of dead notables, uh, you know, on, on paper and accumulating those those things. It's just, it's what can I do to live the lifestyle I want to do? Do what I want to do? Go where I want to go? Travel the way I want to travel? And within those questions, we can identify those things pretty pretty easily. Uh, the second question we ask is when you think about money, uh, what concerns, needs, or feelings come to mind? And again, as a client begins to answer those questions, it's very evident uh, what their high net worth personality is as we go through. And then as we go through this, uh, this process, um, if we do go into that gambler or that innovator stage, uh, I'm probably not the best advisor for them. And this may seem a little different uh, for people, but my goal is we, we serve at Oswego Private Wealth Management, a select group of families that we feel we can have the most impact for. And my goal is not to be a financial advisor for anybody and everybody who's willing to, to come aboard. My goal is to help connect everybody to the right financial advisor for them. And many times after this first series of meetings, um, we'll find that, that I, I will say that I'm not, I don't think I'm the best wealth manager for you. And I, you know, allow me to introduce you to pitch somebody that I would trust with my own money that I know well in this industry that would line up better to your high net worth personality. Yeah, Bob, that's, that's a fantastic way of kind of painting that portrait of making sure you work with the right wealth manager that does take that high net worth personality type into account. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Bob, my next question would be, you know, you had just mentioned those two, two questions that somebody can be asking themselves to maybe help them identify which of those personality types they fall into but what if they just ask themselves those questions and they're still struggling to kind of pinpoint which of the personality types they align are there any maybe additional questions they could then ask themselves uh, absolutely there are and, and there's one question um, that i've been um, i learned years and years ago through dan sullivan a strategic coach he calls it the r factor or the relationship factor question and it's i, I think it's a, just a brilliant question and I, and I love to ask this question because the answers can go anywhere uh, but the question is that 
Ryan, if we were, if we were just role play, if you and I were in this meeting and you're a potential client and I asked you, you know, Ryan, let's imagine we're sitting here three years from today. And as you're looking back over those three years, what has to happen for you to feel good about what we did together financially? And with again, as those questions are asked, again, it's very hard sometimes to be introspective on, on some of these questions. And in a in a with another personality, me in this example, asking those questions and, and having enough experience to know to ask which follow-up question, answering that question, what has to happen three, you know, look three years from now, we're sitting in the same venue and we were looking back over those three years. What happened had to happen for you to be happy about the progress that you made? And that would really that really um, answers a lot uh, within within that framework. Uh, another question uh, we ask is is how involved do you want to be in the investing process? Obviously, a phobic is going to say as little as possible. Um, an innovator would say one hundred and ten percent. I want to be involved in every single aspect of what we're of what we're doing here together. And uh, a, a very obvious question is, is how important is the, is the confidentiality of your financial affairs? Uh, the anonymous will, will, will hone in on that and want to really elaborate on how significantly important that is where others may not, if somebody's not necessarily an anonymous person. So. Yeah, yeah, Bob, those are great questions. I mean, there's a lot of soul searching, honestly, that's going on between that. And, and obviously, I understand why you would incorporate them into a discovery process like that, because it, it helps develop that rapport, allows you to get to know them on that granular level. Uh, so all, all good stuff for our audience, you know, in terms of helping them try and look inward to identify what their high net worth personality type would look like. Uh, but Bob, my, my final question is, we're kind of bringing the show to a head here today, uh, just mainly around a point of clarification for our audience. Is it possible? I know you had touched on it a little earlier, but I think it's worth covering again. Uh, is it possible then for somebody to have, you know, more than one high net worth personality type, just like the way some people have a mixture of maybe being introverted and extroverted on a personal level? Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I, I introvert, extrovert, amnivert. Uh, you know, the people are people are even in the introvert extrovert scale. You can be very extroverted in certain situations and. and frankly, appear to be very introverted in other social situations. So, so people can have a, a, a mix of them. And almost everybody has <laughs> multiple personalities. In here. I, I don't think that's a bad idea. It's probably bad to have multiple personalities in psych, psychiatric terms, but in, in high net worth personalities, it's actually a good thing because nobody's one dimensional. And you could be, as an example, you could be a family steward and anonymous. You could be, as in my case, a family steward and independent uh, with that personal freedom. You could be uh, independent, um, uh, needing freedom with your money, but you could also be financially phobic in the sense that, again, I don't want to be super involved in this. So it's, it's very common to be uh, to have multiple personalities in, in that way. So. Sure, sure. Appreciate that point of clarification. Uh, Bob, look, um, 
final, final question for you. If for anybody in our audience today that is going through this exercise with us, asking themselves those questions, and maybe today for the first time they identified what that high net worth personality type is, uh, and maybe they're wondering if they could reach out to you and your team to just talk a little bit more about that and how their personality type fits into maybe what they currently have going in their wealth plan or what they might realize might now need to change based on what they just learned today about themselves. What would be the best way that somebody could get in touch with you and your team to just open up a dialogue on this? Well, first of all, we would love to, we would love to talk to anybody who'd love to talk about this. Uh, we have created a, a report, a lessons by the late report on this very topic that we can make available to anybody who's interested and wants to reach out to us. Uh, best way to reach us is always through our website, uh, OswegoPrivateWealth.com. And, uh, and that's, uh, again, the focus of initial meetings um, with me and with the team is we really want to get to know you. We really want to talk about what's important to you. And we ask the right questions, in my opinion. <laughs> we do ask the right questions, and we want to understand the why of your investing. And uh, we'll, we even tell you that you fall into these categories, and, and uh, it's always corroborated. No one's ever said, uh, you're absolutely wrong. I am clearly not a gambler. <laughs> but if they are, they are. So, and by the way, that's another thing that we often see is somebody will come in and, and they're a family steward and they're looking for our second opinion service, our stress testing of their existing portfolio and their existing wealth management plan. And they feel they're dissatisfied. And if for example, they perhaps could be uh, could be a phobic or even an independent family steward. It really doesn't matter. And uh, but they have an advisor who's personality trait is more of a gambler mogul and uh and they just uh, didn't understand exactly why that didn't feel right um but they they realize it uh, relatively early in our conversations that that's that's why i haven't been super happy with the with the person who's been handling things so far is because we're just not we're just not aligned in our personalities yeah, yeah. And a big takeaway for the audience today is make sure you're working with the right wealth manager that does take your your own high net worth personality type into fact into you know into account because at the end of the day, I mean, you've heard Bob and I say it time and time again. It, it's you that matters at the end of the day. You know, you and your uh, you and your goals and aspirations for the future. So, uh, well, look, Bob, I appreciate you carving some time out of your day to be with us to dive into these different high net worth personalities, and uh, looking forward to jumping back on the next one with you down the road. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure today. Thanks. Absolutely. And hey, look, uh, as always, we're going to take one final moment and thank you guys, our audience, for jumping aboard and being with us on the show today. If you enjoyed today's discussion, took anything away from it, maybe you went through the exercise of asking yourself those questions, do us a favor, hit that like button. Maybe leave a comment on the show. You can always subscribe to it on whichever channel that you're checking us out on. And then, of course, share this information with friends, family, business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from these types of discussions. You know, I said it at the top of the show. I'll say it again. Really, we're taking the same strategies and solutions and ultimately conversations really that Bob is having with his clients at Oswego Private Wealth. And we're bringing them to you right here on this show. You know, Bob and I, we sat down. We've got a lot of great discussions that were queued up for future episodes to come. And we'd love to have you join us for those. So for Bob Bedritus, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're going to go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you joining us on today's installment of Lessons by the Lake. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. 
The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.